0: This Acecast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection, go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters. Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's
1: legendary players.
0: Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to go out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) You would say This is A's Unfiltered
1: with Chris Townsend.
0: Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got three former players, all now broadcasters, who stopped by A's Cast Live. They've been friends of the program for a long, long time. Luis Gonzalez, Jeff Blum, and C.J. Nikowski. Luis Gonzalez, we'll start with him. What an unbelievable career. One of the biggest hits in the history of baseball. And when the D-backs were in town, we had them on the field. A's Cast Live, here is Gonzo. One of the first biggest stars that joined us. Bob Melvin said, you got to get my guy on. And he <laughs> came on. And then, of course, we switched us to video, made it like a TV show and the great success. Uh, we appreciate everybody that support us from the start. And Gonzo, you support us from the start. And I always want to say thank you for that, because uh, a big name coming on for us. was was great.
2: Oh, I appreciate it. I don't know so much about a big name, but oh, I'm just on. just a pleasure to be out here with you guys.
0: Now, obviously, you starred for the D-backs, and Toy Lavella, we love him as a former athletic. We've had him on for years, and it was something I was talking about. At the end of last season, like all of a sudden, the D-backs figured out, man, we can run on everybody, we are so athletic. Then they changed the rules, and I went, you got to watch out for these guys. And we're seeing it, second place to the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, I I think this year, you know, last year was a, kind of a cutting our teeth type of year for a couple players and now you're really starting to see the confidence grow. i was just standing by the cage and just looking at some of our young players and going yeah these guys are really starting to feel good about it if they get a lead they press i mean they'll come at you they'll try to steal some bases they'll put the pressure on you and uh they'll really stress out some catchers when they can we did that against the dodgers earlier in the season so it's a fun team to watch and uh they just haven't been around the league long enough to know who a lot of these players are. They haven't figured it out yet. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, that guy's a 10-year veteran yeah. pitching against us. They, they play with no fear out there, which has been a lot of fun to watch.
0: Carroll signing that contract, you know, I, you hear it all the time. It just drives you nuts where they say he could have got a lot more money if he waited. But you get that security now. You're in a place that you love. And what does it mean to the organization and the fan base to get a special talent like this inked up?
2: Yeah, and, you know, he, he really ran through our minor league system. He signed out of high school out of Seattle and then, you know, played extremely well. In, in A ball, double A, went to triple A for a little bit. And then we brought him up for like 30 games, I think, last year. And uh, he really, he's, I think he's 22, but he plays like a 25, 26-year-old. Plays with a lot of confidence. Quiet kid. Just goes about his work each and every day. And he's a guy that uh, our organization felt like we can put as a cornerstone and build around him. And it's been a lot of fun to see him go out there and play.
0: And we are talking about uh, Dominic Fletcher is, a, is an Arkansas Razorback. We got a Razorback. We are talking a little SEC. I mean, out of nowhere, he's hitting 429, two bombs, 13 RBIs. I mean, kind of carrying the team out of nowhere 13 games yeah
2: he's played extremely well and we know his brother with the angels plays real well here against the Oakland A's dominates us (laughs) he's like Babe Ruth so so we're hoping it kind of rubs (laughs) off here and the the family thing just kind of sticks together here but uh, he's been another great you know player I think for him the confidence builder was him playing in the WBC he was able to play in the WBC and you could see that the confidence really built up for him And when he came to start the season, he got out of the gates well, played well. And, I mean, he's done everything we've asked of him up here in the big leagues.
0: Think about your career as a defensive player. You're a great defensive player. But teams that put pressure on you, I think Catel Marte, I don't know, was it Saturday or Sunday scored on a wild pitcher pass ball against the Giants from second Second base? base. I mean, it's like always putting pressure on the defense. What's that like, outfielder, infielder, when in the back of your mind you know, man, these guys, they're gutsy. They're fearless, and they're going to run on us.
2: Yeah, it it, it gets you a little more tense out there on the field. You don't want to make that little mistake. If you bobble the ball or anything, they're going to try to take that extra base on you. And like I said earlier, if, if we get a lead early, that's when they really get loose out there and really start to play our outfield play with all our young guys out there. They can really run it down. That's been a lot of fun a lot of a lot of confidence for our pitchers when they have those guys. We got a young kid behind the plate that really wouldn't have been playing every day if it wasn't for uh, Kelly getting hurt. Carson Kelly got hurt in spring training, broke his forearm, and uh, this kid's come up and he's got a really good arm. I'm looking forward to in this three-game series if Ruiz gets on base and watching him try to steal bases with our catcher behind the plate.
0: I mean – you and I are both old enough to remember when guys actually stole bases. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, they're, they're, we've named the field after this guy named Ricky Henderson. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. It's uh, it, it, you're right. Earlier, you said that the rule change has really benefited with our club, and it has. We were running extremely uh a, a lot earlier, and then we've kind of backed off a little bit, kind of like resting our guys. We get some leads and stuff, but I think now you're going to see them start to press again, especially you know we're playing a team that. Uh, you know, hasn't fared well in the in the standings. You have to try to win these games when you can.
0: And you could run back in the day.
2: Uh, I tell my son that I stole a hundred bases, over hundred bases in my career, and he said, "Dad, you played for 19 years, so." <laughs> no, like one, a young had, Astro, you stole that. I had one year where I stole 20, so that was uh, that was a good year for me.
0: Uh, I, I I wish we'd see him, Gal, in This. It's the numbers yeah. are so eye-popping how good he is. We're not going to see him in the series, but, you know, we always overreact to who's the best pitcher now. But if you look at right now who's pitching today, not many guys better than him.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, he didn't really get the recognition he deserved uh, in the in the Cy Young voting last year going into this year. And really the, the, the telltale sign for us was this year he got to match up against Alcantara with the Marlins, yeah. and he dominated that game. It was like, okay, you guys didn't vote me up there in the top three or four. I'm going to show you what I got. And he dominated that whole game against the Marlins, and we got to Alcantara early and got him out of the game.
0: I mean, you guys think back in the day when you got Schilling and you got Johnson, it's like you go into a series. It's it's let's, it's let's amazing how you could say let's rock when yeah. you got guys like when that. When you got
2: good pitching, you always feel like you're one run ahead before the game even starts. And I think when uh, Zach Gallon pitches, Merrill Kelly, too, he's been really good for us. Um, the team plays with a little bit more confidence. And if they fall behind, this team will not panic. If they're behind a run or two, they just kind of peck away a little bit and they'll try to get one or two back. And then if they get the opportunity base loaded, then that's when they try to strike.
0: You know what? I, I remember during COVID when we were just having the 60-game season, that before that well we had to figure out stuff to do right so we started honoring the 72 73 74 teams playing those games and then we brought on on bob melvin and he talked about you guys in arizona were are doing the same thing with the 01 reliving the playoff games and the world series games what was that like years later to see the games hear the games and have that city a buzz again talking about like, what did that feel like
2: well it's incredible i mean now here we are you know, that was one 22 years later, and, you you know, you're still talking about that championship. As a player, when you win one, you think you're going to do it again and again and again. And I think, uh, you know, now that my career is over, you, you learn to really value that time and cherish it. And, uh, you know, we've had some good, you know, the Phoenix Suns and, you know, the other teams in the Valley, and you guys have it here, you know, with Golden State and them. You know, you win a championship, and you go, oh, we're going to win it again and again and again, and it really doesn't happen. So when you... Have those opportunities and you have those winning teams, you really got to cherish that moment, especially as a player, because you don't know how many chances you're going to get.
0: Never gets old seeing that hit, does it? No, that screaming line drive. <laughs> roped! I'm, I'm, it I'm gl- was gl- roped! I'm glad
2: they don't have VCRs <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so when I tell, you know, I go to talk to people, I go, man, that was, a, you know, off the hands, but it was a line drive out to s- left center field. So, but, uh, you know, I'll take it any way I can get it. I mean, 57 home runs that year, and the biggest hit of my career was a bloop. Blue- you know, that's why I always laugh at these guys when they look at, you know, uh, you exit, know, the velocity, exit yeah. below. They're all – my exit velo was 106. 10, I go, but it was an out. Give me like a 72-mile-an-hour dinker right there for three for four or something like that. I'll take that all day.
0: Well, you're going up against arguably the greatest pitch of all time that always bored so much on lefties and the firewood and all the bats he yeah. broke just for you to get enough on that to get it past the infield to win the game.
2: Yeah, and for me – you know, he struck me out in the eighth inning. I didn't want to come up in the ninth and say, you know, fall behind on him. So I was aggressive. First pitch, I fouled it straight back, and I went, oh, God, here it goes again. And and you're right, being a left-hander with that cutter that Mariano throws, it's like a Pac-Man. It keeps The more you look for it, it feels like the <laughs> further it gets inside on you. So um, there was a lot of players in their careers that said every time they faced him, they did not take their A-bat up to the plate because in their mind, it was already like you're, you're beat mentally against a guy like that. But I knew for me that was going to be the last at-bat of the season. So if I blew that bat up, it didn't matter to me as long as it uh, it went down as a, as a hit there.
0: Well, you can be as humble as you want. You were one of the great players of your era. It, it was uh, great to watch you play. And I'm so glad that you're around this organization. I know how everybody loves you. Uh, the fans love you. To do some TV, to be around the team, it's got to be special.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate this opportunity just to be around baseball. I love baseball. And, my title is senior advisor to the president and CEO, but I've been thrust upon to do some games here, yeah. and I love it because I'm around the team, and I get to uh, travel with these guys and kind of get a little insight of what's going on, and believe it or not, sometimes they'll sit down and ask questions about the good old days and see how guys used to do it. The game has changed so much in the last 10, 15, 20 years, and uh, these guys are bigger and stronger, and I look at guys now, and I'm going, God, that kid's 22, 23 years old. He's like 6'5", 225 pounds, and... You know, when I was first coming up, my locker mate was Glenn Davis, the big bopper. Big big first base, And him and George Foster and Dale Murphy. Those were the three home run hitters, you know, when they were, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. And then I'm, you know, now I'm looking at guys that are, You know, 6'2", weigh 180 pounds that are hitting 30, 40 a year. I'm going, man, these guys, they can swing it. But they don't get cheated up there, and that's why you have a lot more strikeouts in the game.
0: Well, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I appreciate it, it, guys. For for you coming on early when we start, we're we're the number one podcast in baseball now, by a lot.
2: That doesn't surprise me.
0: And so for you coming on early and Bob Melvin introducing us to you, I've always really appreciated the time.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy the next couple days. Thanks. Great to see you guys.
0: We have a new feature that we're going to be busting out today with our next guest. Because, I mean, we've talked all about his greatness as a Cal Bear. We've talked about him as a World Series hero and a great broadcaster. We didn't realize that he could see into the future. Plummer, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Townie? Well, we're about to – do you have it ready there, uh, Cody? Uh, we, we have a new name for you, Blummer Domus. Did you I know like that? It. Did you know we had that name for you? No,
3: I did not. Uh, you know, I get lucky every now and then, and, uh, you know, it's good to have a nickname that's
0: not something uh, derogatory. Well, let, let, let's let play it. This was you before the season started looking into the future. I, I mean – maybe
3: for the first month month and a half two months maybe you can argue that a little bit because you know you're going to have I I know you're kind of hitting at the Altuve situation with the WBC breaking the thumb having surgery you know coming back and rehabilitating that and getting that swing back is going to be a little bit longer than maybe we we expect Uh, Michael Brantley was scheduled to be ready opening day but had some issues off the field that he had to take care of so it kind of pushed his start back a little bit Jordan Alvarez just started hitting can he be ready opening day, and then you've got Lance McCullers Jr. Is when's he going to be able to come back? So yeah, if you're going to look at this and, and maybe say there's an opportunity to kind of take advantage of the Astros, I wouldn't say knock them off that AL West throne, but I would say if there's an opportunity to take advantage of the Astros early on this, you know, April, May might be those months where you can, if you can jump out to a little bit of an early lead and uh, try and take advantage of them not being at full strength because they are going to open the season with some key pieces on the shelf
0: and what happens no one took real advantage of it the Astros have won four in a row and they're right back in the mix so you called it you better get on them early and no one really did and because they didn't the Astros are right back in this thing
3: it's kind of wild to think about too and I was always under the assumption that the Seattle Mariners were going to be better than they were Uh, you know the Texas Rangers kind of surprised me a little bit with their pitching I know that DeGrom has heard but you're you seeing a Valdi pitch extremely well, John Gray out there, and their offense is ridiculous. I mean, the numbers that uh, Texas is putting up are pretty insane to watch from a distance. So I don't know what they were going to look like in person, but you know, it, only a two-game lead. That I don't. I just don't think that's enough for to to get the Astros off you, and be able to fight them off throughout the course of the season. But I, I to be brutally honest, I'm a little disappointed what Seattle had because Seattle was the team. That I thought was going to be able to pitch well enough and have their offense going to put up some runs to go out there and win ball games and maybe be leading the West right now. But now as we have it, you know, the Astros find a way to win ball games and here they
0: are, two games back. All right. He's back. Jose Altuve. How fired up is everybody there in Houston?
3: We're all fired up. I mean, it's a, it's a Friday night. It was a Kyle Tucker bobblehead giveaway. It's, you know, fireworks. Uh, The team is on a roll and then you add on that extra layer of Jose Altuve. I would imagine that uh, if you're here pregame, you're going to hear a good cheer when they announce the lineups. And then when he gets that first at bat, uh, he may be down 0-1 because he's tipping his cap to everybody as he makes it back (laughs) on the ballpark. But, uh, just a quick thing about Jose Altuve. One of the best stories I heard about him was from Joe Espada. Joe said that they were in spring training. Jose Altuve takes off to go play in the WBC, breaks a thumb. the thumb. Just his gear bag comes back, and it's sitting in the locker as guys start to filter into the clubhouse. And he said that instantly there was just this funk that kind of spread throughout the clubhouse because the person wasn't in there. Jose Altuve brings a lot to the table on the field. But he's he's just a jovial, happy, you know, go lucky type guy, and I think having just that energy is going to be one of those things that they're they're going to really uh, enjoy having back.
0: It is so true because I'll never forget one of the one of the years, the the visiting clubhouse at the Coliseum. You come out and you walk down the same stairs as everybody else does—the fans, the workers, us media—and there was one time where Altuve walks out and he and i walked down the stairs together couldn't have been a nicer guy right i mean i, I mean i'm taller than he is for god's sakes but but you yeah i could, I could dunk on him but
3: you can post him up yeah
0: but you know you're just like he he, he is just he's like a he's it's like a bottle of energy and there's something about a player like that and you throw in that he's probably going to be in the hall of fame someday there there's some, when a guy brings that kind of energy and he's a great player wow
3: it is wow. And it's a lot of fun because, you know, as much as he goes out there and gets his numbers, like you said, you know, he's close to two thousand, uh, base hits. He should get that here in the next, you know, what should depending on how he goes, if you get him the next month. But he's he's achieving levels offensively both during the regular season and postseason that are putting him into that status you're talking about. Yet when you watch him in the dugout, in the clubhouse. I mean, he's jumping around. He's talking to guys. There's not, there's nobody on this team that he avoids. He'll talk to anybody anytime. And if something good happens, he's on the top step. He'll be the first one to high-five you. So, you know, he, he has that enthusiasm about it that he really wants everybody else to succeed along with him.
0: All right, we're beyond that it's early kind of deal. Uh, Jose Abreu, you know, home runs. How worried are you guys? I...
3: Well, th- we're a little worried because, you know, behind the scenes, there's a little bit of a running bet on which Jose A is going to get that home run first, and it might be Jose Altuve instead of Jose Abreu that gets that first home run because, uh, you know, it, whether it's mechanical, whether it's mental, there's just something going on with Jose Abreu that's not allowing him to turn on the baseball and try and yank it into the Crawford boxes here at Minute Maid Park, so I'm not, you know, I have my opinions just from watching the swing, you know, a couple of mechanical things that are in there, but then I watch him take a couple of fastballs down the middle, chase a slider off the plate. So that gives you the idea. It's maybe a little bit mental. So he's got some stuff going on and uh, you always wonder, is he healthy? Is he fighting against something? Is he protecting something? But the lack of the lack of power yes it's it's gotten to the point where i think here in houston it's a little concerning yes
0: all right in your career if you had something that was wrong maybe a little physical maybe a little mechanical obviously it's tough to fix cuz you play every single night what is the key to whatever that whatever is ailing you fixing it during a season
3: well the hardest part is probably trusting it because You know, once you make an adjustment of of your one part of swing of the swing, you get 99 other problems that go with it. So it's trying to simplify the, the mechanics that you're working with. And I think nowadays with the technology, you're able to side by side, you're able to overlap swings. So I know that I probably liked I'd like to take video of what I was doing. Well, and I would sit there and watch the video. I'd try and see it. And hopefully my eyes would tell my body how it feels. Then I would get in the cage. Figure out what doesn't feel right and try and get in that same position that I was at when I was going well and try and replicate that and maybe that would start to unlock some things but you know there's you know this day and age I didn't work with the, uh, the analytics that they have so sometimes it can be paralysis by analysis or it could be you just run into a string of pitchers that you're facing that are extremely good and you're hitting the ball hard and you're running into bad luck but you've got to show a lot of trust in your ability to go out there because you do have to make adjustments. If you sit there and just say, my swing's going to work no matter what, I think that's when you start to find yourself in some of these funks, like you're seeing Jose Abreu
0: win. You know, there's that statement of there's, there's your feels and there's the reels. There's things that you're feeling (laughs) and there's things that really are going on, but if you're going good, it doesn't matter. Right. But if you're not going good and it feels good, but it's not going good. So the feeling and what it looks like are two different things. Man, that's when you're like, where do I go? What do I do?
3: Yeah, you you are you are virtually inside my head when I'm on the golf course right there.
0: Feels versus reels.
3: <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm like, dude, that swing
0: felt great. Why am I in the trees? <laughs> yeah, when you square it up and it's hooking, you're like, what? I, I squared it up. Like I hit that right off
3: the club face. <laughs> My club face is completely shut. But hey, <laughs> but hitters, hit, hitters, and pitchers go through that. Oh yeah. Oh, I would. I can only imagine. I mean, and you see it with guys who, uh, you know, some of those high command guys that want to stay on the edges. They, you know, they develop that one release point where their pitch is coming out nicely and it's hitting the spot that they want. And I mean, it's almost even worse for some of those pitchers because you're off just a tick, maybe a you know, a couple of centimeters and all of a sudden that ball's reacting in a way that you really don't want it to. And you've got to get back there. You've got to start to get that, you know, turn the, you know, adjust the reels to the feels and get, get back on the feel of the baseball. It's not easy, man. This game is hard.
0: You know, I think about the adjustments, and it's one thing that the Astros have always been good at. I mean, you can go down the line, Garcia with Tommy John, McCullers with the elbow, Urquidy with the shoulder, Brantley still out Bray not hitting home. I mean, it's like no matter what you throw at the Astros, they always kind of, ah, we'll figure it out and keep winning. Why do you think that happens? Why does Why is this organization able to do that?
3: I, I, I truly believe that it's because they've developed an idea of winning. And I think they've developed an idea of of not doing it just on sheer luck or doing it on sheer um, you know, ability. I think it's, it's a mentality for these guys. We all obviously know that they've got a chip on their shoulder for, for reasons of 2017 or whatever, you know, was going on. So I think that they have this little, you know, this idea that they have a little extra bigger chip or an extra chip on their shoulder that they want to go out there and prove everybody wrong. But I also think it's a clubhouse that has this idea of we need to go out there and win. If it's not going to be Alex Bregman one night or if it's not going to be Jose Abreu, It's going to be a Jordan Alvarez, and it's going to be set up by a Mauricio Dubon. So I think these guys understand that if I'm not performing up to what I want to do or how I'm able to help this team, there's going to be somebody else that can pick me up. And if I'm not doing it offensively, I'm sure as hell going to go out there and try and take away some base hits. So I think they do a good job of, you know, compartmentalizing, okay, my swing isn't where I want it to be, but you know what I can do? I can go out there and play, you know, a hell of a defense and pick my pitcher up. Somebody else will pick me up on that end, and when my and when Jordan's not going well, maybe I'll be the guy that steps up that day. So they really do a good job of doing this as a team, and they've really developed a culture here that says, you know what, we've all got the same nut same uh, name on our front of our jersey. We might as well all go out there and fight together, and that's exactly what they do. They have no no other idea on their mind other than winning.
0: I know you got to go do TV, so let's end on this one. Uh, obviously the, yep. the Chicago white Sox means so much to you and your heart and baseball and what that city, uh, has meant throughout your career to you. They were, you know, you, you look at just the past couple of years, expectations of what they were supposed to be bad. Once again, just how, how do you view the situation going on on the South side? Once again,
3: you know what? I, gosh, I really thought Pedro Garfoil was going to be able to turn that thing around. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think they're you know, there's a little bit of an identity crisis for their hitters. I'm not sure. You know, they've got good, talented guys, but they just don't. Are they a team that controls the zone? Are they a team that goes out and smashes home runs? Are they a team that's going to work on base and get those big hits in uh, RBI situations? And then their pitching side, you know, I don't know. That place is in some serious turmoil. I'm not sure how to turn it around because. Like you said, you just said, when you look at these guys on paper for the last three years, yes. how are they not winning the American League Central? I they On paper, they look better than the uh, Guardians. They look better than the Twins. Uh, they've got depth. I think, you know, hopefully when they get Crochet and uh, Hendricks back in the bullpen, they can protect those guys. But it's crazy to look up and see a Lance Lynn with a five or six ERA. Dylan Cease is getting batted around. What, you know, why is that? And how do you correct that culture? And uh, as much as you can't – you can't put analytics to culture, but there's something in that clubhouse that's just not functioning right. I I can't put my finger on it, but it's amazing to watch them not play to the level that they look like they should be.
0: Well, the great thing is this is the first game between the A's and the Astros, so that means we're going to play a lot more later in the season. We're going to bring back Blummer Domus later in the year, and we're going to take a look into the future for Cal football. This year in the Pac-12 oh,
3: conference. That's
0: what I'm talking about. That that that's
3: going to be crazy. It's not. It probably won't be as positive as most people want me to be.
0: I don't know, Blummer Domus will just have to wait and see. You were you were yep. de- you were dead right on. You better get the Astros early because if you don't, they'll be back. You were dead right. It, it's, I'm just glad that I've been in this game long enough to get something right. Well, you are the best, my friend. You know how much you mean to this program. We always appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Be well.
3: Yeah, trust me. The feeling's mutual. I love coming on with you guys. Tell you you're the best, and I appreciate the opportunity. Go Bears, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care,
0: buddy. The great Jeff Blum. CJ, great to have you on the program again. How are you?
4: I am great. You're so full of it, terrific player. I appreciate it. It was a very oh, nice come introduction.
0: come on. You got a lot of outs back I in I hung day. around
4: for a long time. That's about it, yeah. Longevity, you know, you just talking to Donnie there, right? <laughs> just talking
0: to Donnie there, and 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 knowing Bruce Bochy yeah. like we do, just and you, we can look at twenty two and fourteen and where the Rangers are. Just just talk about it's different. Like things are different with the Texas Rangers. You've seen the good, you've seen the bad. Just talk about how it's just. It's different in Ranger land. Significantly
4: different. So this is year seven for me, and I was just talking about this with Will Venable. who just got here, now as like our associate manager. And I say, man, the, the vibe is so considerably different. The big thing is that you come to the ballpark every day and feeling like you have a legitimate chance to win. We, ha- we haven't had that feeling here. There were certain yep. starters when they were on the mound, or maybe there was a matchup that you liked to say, you know, yeah, we've got a good chance today. Every single day, even with Jacob DeGrom in the I.L. right now, Dane Dunning's done, done such a great job. Uh, filling in so far in his two starts that it's a nice feeling to have yeah. we haven't had it here. Again, it's only year seven for me, and I would see this organization has gone through some really high highs at times. And, of course, like everybody else, you're going to have your lows. Uh, but the vibe, and it's, it all starts at the top with boats like you mentioned, uh, it's it's a lot different, and it's fun, and uh, I don't feel like I'm working anymore.
1: Talk about Boach and the, the way – I mean, look, everybody knows the way he manages the bullpen, but ha- have you seen it already in the first six weeks, just his, the way he's able to maneuver and the way – like, he's always thinking ahead. He's so intelligent. Mm-hmm. What, what have you seen from him as far as managing the bullpen? Yeah,
4: he's on it, and what's interesting, too, is that part of that also means leaving the starters in probably longer than we're used to. Like, he's not afraid, right? I mean, you yeah. look at what Nate Evaldi's done over his last couple now, and he probably could have had a shot at a second complete game, wow. but that game had gotten so far out of control that last ninth inning went long so they decided to go ahead and take him out he's on this you know great streak right now of 20 consecutive without allowing a run so it starts there with what he does with the starters and making that decision when to get them out when to feel comfortable pushing them a little further and then with the bullpen stuff yes you know we don't really technically have a true closer here Mm -hmm. will smith has been getting most of those opportunities but if he feels like there's a better matchup he'll just go with it so i think it is different compared to when he was here with the san francisco giants where you kind of had those set roles and you had those arms and it was kind of boom 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 you know very similar like ned yost had in kansas city when they won it was seven eight nine and see you later it's different here not every night but a little bit different based on the matchups but a good example for me was we just got up we just went anaheim and then seattle we're in anaheim Will Smith had a, a tough one. Uh, ended up blowing a three-run lead in the ninth inning, and the Rangers ended up losing in extras. He's right back out there next time he has an opportunity yeah. to close the game out, and he punches out the side. He had two saves in Seattle, and he had five strikeouts, and he was six up, six down. Right. So, and listen, Will Smith's a veteran. I get yeah. it, but he's not going to panic. Yeah. Right? A younger manager will be like, "Oh, maybe he's not feeling. It hasn't looked right. Am I going to try somebody else?" It is consistent in the way that he goes about it. It's a joy to watch.
1: It's funny. Talk about he's doing it with a veteran guy, but. Veterans need to have short memories too, right? Yes. So you'll see that with younger players, when it, especially when you want to make a point to a younger pitcher, right? Get him out there the next day, right? Mm-hmm. That's short memory going, right? It's
4: nice to have because, yeah. you you know, the longer you sit, the more you start to think, yeah. and that's not a good thing uh, yeah. for most pitchers. Most of us are better off not thinking uh, very much. But when you had that rough one, now it's a little different because of the three batter minimum. Like for some of the yeah. lefties, there was a time certainly during my career where you might come in game one and Jason Giambi hits the ball off the wall and you're like, crap, and you're back out there again the next day. That could You, know, you could have those <laughs> moments where you kind of tiptoe in there a little bit and you had to be careful. Um, he did it the other day with Brock Burke. Uh, he hung a slider to uh, Jared Kellnick, got away with it, yeah. but he was right back in there to face him a couple days later when it mattered. And so yeah. uh, I think Boach understands that part. He, he gets it. He's seen He's seen it all, man. No doubt. It really is incredible. It's so fun to watch. No doubt.
0: When you talk about the the signing of DeGrom, obviously it was a major story, who he is, leaving New York. Uh, we've talked about it with you for years, investing in the offense, now investing in the pitching and bringing it all together. Still, the the, the ballpark re- is relatively new. Unfortunately, didn't have that great honeymoon because of COVID. But now here you go. But there's always that. Oh my God, how's he going to be? Is he going to get injured? And all of a sudden, boom, he's on the shelf. I just, how, how has that been like for Ranger fans? Where. There's always the fear that he's going to be broken.
4: Yeah, I think it's, it exists to some degree because of what he does is such a high level, right? And it, it's almost impossible to do what he does physically. It doesn't seem like you should be able to pitch at 100 miles an hour consistently. Sure. I mean, he's got that kind of tall, wiry frame, and so you always worry. The slider's unbelievably nasty to go along with it as well. I mean, it, it exists, but at the same time, what Chris Young did so well here was making sure that they had depth, right? Jake Rizzi was basically starter number six. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's out for the year. Yep. But it's Cole Reagans and it's Dane Dunning who ended up being in the bullpen as long men. And then Dane Dunning, all he does is just jump right out, Incredible. five shut out in his first start, six and two Ernie's in the last one. And not to say you don't miss a beat because it's Jacob DeGrom, but they haven't missed a beat yet. So I think that the fact that it's happened, you know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to need some time. You look at all the starters at the top. I mean, John Gray was on the IL last year uh, three times. It was only Martin Perez of the group that made all of his starts. Nate Valdi missed some starts uh, last year. And so it's just part of it. Andrew Heaney missed starts last year. So you anticipate that that's the case. I think in a perfect world, if you can get 25 to 28 out of all of them, I think that's, you know, and that one guy in there like Martin is giving you the 32, that works as long as you have the depth in place. And the Rangers have that right now. You
1: know, now. I will say this, too, about evolving I've been reading a little bit more about him and diving into it. The fact that he's actually like a second pitching coach with Mike yes. Maddox. Yeah. He's going down to the bullpens. He's dissecting. John Gray said it's the first time he's ever seen that. Mm. First time he's ever kind of taken that advice Kind of the meticulous nature of Evaldi kind of helping the other pitchers with their bullpen. It's incredible.
4: Yeah, and it's not an automatic, right? There's a lot of great players out there that aren't, you know, it's not because they're bad people, it's just not their thing, right? right? They're not necessarily investing in their teammates as much as a guy like Nate Ivaldi is. We saw it in spring training, it's pretty funny. I wasn't there, but they tape all the post game interviews or all the interviews, so I'm watching one sitting at home, and he was talking about, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Martine or somebody had thrown that day, and they said, Oh, did you get a chance to watch Martine? He said, Well, I got to watch the first couple of innings live, but I had to go do something else, so I'm going to go back and watch the rest tonight on video incredible. like that's how much he cares wow. I will tell you I never did that once no <laughs> not once 19 years playing this game I'm like all right where we're we going to dinner Do we have time to make it you know we got we got to stay for five innings gosh darn it I want to get out of here we're going to play golf um and that's probably why he's as good as he
1: that's is It's incredible
0: wow you know a lot of talk about Bochy but let's not you know Maddox is such a great pitching coach you know, you always love it when he comes out and he puts the right hand on the guys and the way he communicates and looks at them in the eye. I mean, there's a lot about Bochi, but, I mean, just talk about what, what, what Mike Maddox brings as the pitching coach back to Texas.
4: Yeah, they're very fortunate to have him back here once again, and it's a similar vibe between the two of them. Like, there was this whole calming, experienced coaching group, especially at the very top there with Boach and with Mike Maddox, um, where it does give you that feeling. Exactly how he's trying to make the pitcher feel, I think, is that, that's how everybody else feels uh, when he's out there. He's seen it all. And he yeah. was a good pitcher. You know, he gets, Of course, you get compared to your brother, but he was yeah. a really good pitcher uh, in his career. So he's got the experience, right? He's got the dirt in his cleats um, from all of that great experience on the field and then what he's done. And he's been here before, and fans are familiar with him as well. And it just it worked out perfectly. They got, I think they got pretty lucky that he wanted to kind of come back home and left St. Louis uh, falling right into the Rangers' lap to to go along with Bruce Bochy, and um, no regrets. I don't think you could have put a better coaching staff together in two of the most important parts, the guy who's making the decisions and the guy that's helping the pitchers come along.
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued with Josh Young, and I, I've, always, I've always enjoyed, I've always, I mean, he's a young player, I, mm-hmm. I just kind of watching his career, watching him come through the minors and watching him play third base. He's, he's not only, I mean, he's improved yes. vastly defensively, right, because this guy can flat out hit. Yes,
4: yes, yeah. so a couple things. One, when we first got here, they first drafted him. Uh, he was a really good hitter. The thing that they were talking about, though, was he didn't pull the ball in the air a lot, which is good. I, I don't mind that. You could teach somebody that. Yeah. He could drive the ball to all fields pretty well. He knew they had that in his back pocket, and it was a matter of teaching him a little bit more to get comfortable. Pull the ball in the air, which we're seeing now with the home runs. I believe he's tied with Outman for yeah. the most home run uh, home runs among rookies um, yep. with eight right now. But the defense is a good point. I mean, if I'm being honest, I will tell you that when the season started, I had some concerns. Yeah. Right? Because thinking about, you put together this great pitching staff. We saw it a little bit last year. He's a big guy. yeah, Right? And so it's like, oh, how is he going to be able to really move over there he has been incredible over at third base i think he surprised everybody and you know you might even have a couple of coaches if you had to say be honest with me were you expecting this from him defensively and i think a couple will tell you they weren't um he's been that good so that's been really encouraging because i think that was probably if you were to look at this team on paper before they left surprise arizona said you know where are you concerned ah you know is there a little issue defensively at third what about the bullpen you know the couple little things you were worried about for the most part have been answered in a positive way
0: You know, it's amazing what happens when a player is completely comfortable. And I think about our guy, Marcus Simeon, who we love so much. And we think about that transition, going to Toronto and doing all the things that he had to deal with there. And you know how they were moving around mm-hmm. like a vagabond team. And then all of a sudden he signs with Texas. And now he's got to move his young family all the way out to Texas. There was a lot. Of- and now Marcus is settled. We've talked to him about it. Uh, Well, I haven't seen him on this trip, obviously, being an SF, but uh, you're seeing how fast to start. He's off to a monster start. Just talk about that what you're seeing, and also as a former player with a young family, like, yeah. being comfortable is so huge.
4: Yeah, it is. I moved around so much, there was no getting comfortable. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it was kind of how, how it goes. go. different to, teams? How many yeah, different yeah. Teams? Uh, eight different teams in the big leagues, like three more in the <laughs> minor awesome. leagues, and then uh, four teams in That's Asia, cool. and a little time in the Dominican. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to see it all. There you go. Uh, but, no, I would right. say this, you know, and he may have said this to you guys as well, and he was very honest about it. Not only was he going to a new team last year in the Texas Rangers with a huge contract, it was also that shortened spring training. Right, and you guys know him well from, of course, this organization. And he's such a nice guy. And when you're a nice guy, sometimes you you'll be a little bit of a people pleaser. Like you want to show out, right? You yeah. just you put on that new uniform, you sign the big contract, you want to show up and get it done. And Corey Seager said the same thing. That short and spring training last year, coming out of the lockout, didn't give the guys that are you know maybe the ones that like to sit back, kind of get a feel for the landscape before they start to get comfortable. Like I, personally, I'm, I could be like that as well, and I get it. And so it, both of them kind of off to a slow start last year, and it took a little while to get them going until he hit that grand slam here. But it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until May until he hit his first home run. Well, this year they have raved about how completely different different it was. You get Bruce Bochy, you get a full spring training, you bring all these great players in, and the excitement is there. and It was much easier for everybody involved. But especially for Marcus Simeon, he's back to crushing the fastball. He had a home run against Luis Castillo. That was the first home run Castillo was allowed on a 14 fastball this year. Wow. That he hit up there. I mean, that's how good Castillo is. been. I mean, he's really good. You know, Seager,
1: uh, look, he had a monster spring he was a monster spring right and he gets hurt and obviously huge blow to the club Mm -hmm. Uh, Ezekiel comes in and he is raking and obviously Josh Smith defensively is ridiculous at short so I know I know you sacrifice a little defense with Ezekiel but Ezekiel Duran, can you talk about his offense yeah. and what he, and, and his defense a little
4: bit too? Sure. So both of those things have been fantastic. If you look at just the Rangers overall and the production they've gotten from their shortstops, when you start a game at short, they were third in OPS the other day, and that's with as much as Corey Seeger has missed. right? So that's a credit to Ezekiel Duran. Now, originally what it was, it was Josh Smith was getting – the at bats against righties, Duran would get him against lefties, which wasn't very often. Yeah. And he started having a couple of really good games, and Boch noticed it. He loved him in spring training because he had a good spring. They just weren't sure how they were going to get him at bats. Right. And once that kind of happened, and he took off, now it's his job until Corey Seager gets back. The next step is, and I asked him this the other day. I said, "Well, what do you do? You, want, I'm sure you want to keep this guy in the lineup." He's yeah. like, "We're going to figure out a way to keep him <laughs> yeah. in the lineup. If it means that he's got to go play left, if it means he's got to give Josh Young a day off, if he's got to give Nathaniel Lowe a day off, which you can platoon, not platoon, but if you want that tough lefty that's in there, perhaps you want to give." Uh, Durana started first with him. Um, you know, getting the day off in, in Nathaniel Lowe, so he's done it all. He's going he to athlete. He can. He's good yeah. He can play all over. Right? They're comfortable with yeah. all of it. Now it's funny because he said, "Well, he could play second, but we know Marcus never wants a day off, so yeah. he's not going to give Marcus <laughs> Simeon a day off because he doesn't want a day off under right. uh, any circumstances." That's yeah. who he is. He's kind of a modern day uh, Iron Man by today's standards. So he's been good, and I will tell you, the defense probably even a little bit better than expected at short. You're right. Josh Smith is an excellent shortstop, and if you're going defense first, he probably would be the guy. Yeah. But but I tell you what, Duran has done a really nice job. Another guy who's surprised. Uh, which has made that left side of the infield defense, I think, better than anybody thought it was going to be. All right,
1: brother, thanks, man. Yeah,
4: Appreciate my pleasure, it. man. Appreciate let's go call it, a game. Yeah, let's
1: do it.
0: Good to see you. And don't forget, loud outs every single yep, day. Spilly. Spilly, Bradley, <laughs> yep. your guys' show. Yeah. I listen to it every day on the way up. Sirius XM, I get you on uh, Channel 89. And I tell you, CJ, your guys' show, the players being the host, mm. the perspective. Yeah, it's fun. We've been lucky to yep. have you for all these years. Spilly comes on the show. Uh, your guy's show is second to none. It's awesome. I appreciate yeah. you, bro. Tomorrow yeah.
4: it'll be me and Jensen Lewis filling it. Billy bailed on us last second. Is he big time now? He's doing the Apple game. He's oh, big he's time. He's tall. national, he's Ryan Spielberg. Spilly. And we did a you know, you know, Spilly and I end up missing a lot of time because of our schedule. So yeah. we started doing a podcast same, by the same name, Ladouts, just so yeah, we can it. kind of get out there and get together a little That's bit awesome. more because we really like
1: each thank other.
0: Thank you,
1: man.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> great. CJ Nikowski. We'd like to thank Luis Gonzalez. Jeff Blum and C.J. Nakowski, having them right here on A's Unfiltered with Chris Towns and now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio.
4: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.